What's up? Welcome to the Cryptid Zone. My name is Jeremy Hughes. <laughs> and I'm Lois Stone. What's so funny? I don't know. I just, um, you just went really, um, really like NPR, like early afternoon there. Yeah, I'm, this is Terry Gross. You're listening to Fresh Air. <laughs> I'm um, taking I'm, I'm taking inspiration from you the last episode because yeah. we were we were just getting louder and louder every intro and then rather than you're like you know this can't go on forever uh, so eventually you're just like well what if we go the other way and bring it all the way down and I fool that I am yeah. I'm now yeah. going in the opposite direction where let's see how ASMR we can get just like how quiet we can bring it while actually still being audible yeah um I think I think what was really funny was just like watching your your like face get ready to go into the ASMR you, like you, watching that physical transformation you, of you, you gotta like... be in the right headspace <laughs> yeah yeah um so I I it was more of a a laughing in appreciation of your commitment to uh, mm-hmm. the, the the cause, the introduction cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just you just introduction gotta... of this podcast, which we've now done. Uh huh. It's just going to be a nice, chill, yes, low key episode where we talk about cryptid. I mean, <laughs> you know, as a, yes. as opposed to the usual. Um, it's episode ten, though, so we have to. Oh, it is. You're right. <laughs> So it can't be that chilled out because, like, we've made it to ten episodes. Fuck yeah, we're on the the double digits now. <laughs> we're an established podcast. Yeah, TM. it's all changing. Mm-hmm. In the big leagues. Oh yeah, that's that's how it works, right? Once you hit ten episodes, um, you get a million dollars. That yes, I, I'm pretty sure that I read that. Somewhere. Only only six podcasts have ever made it this far before. Six, yeah. Um, they were all from NPR, actually. We're number seven. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I mean this American life had a head start, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um but before we get into the cryptid for episode 10, I wanted to give an update on something from a past episode. <sighs> okay, go ahead. An update that's the other thing that we've now have enough episodes that we can reference back to all Yeah, we it's law. We've got law now. Yeah. Um so way back in the Axe Handle Hound episode, also known as the episode with the car beeping in the background. Yeah, that yeah, that was a real, real nightmare. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so I was saying that uh, <laughs> um, I I I talked mm-hmm. a whole bunch about my deep love for Paul Bunyan and various Paul Bunyan lore, sure, and I does. was talking about how I had like distinct memories of watching this video as a child in school of Paul Bunyan wrestling his ox and creating mountains. Well. I was just casually mm. perusing the internet and I, I saw a, a set of, of, of gifts from, uh, where I was like, Oh, this is a cartoon of John Henry. And I was like, wait a second. What if this is the same cartoon that had the Paul Bunyan thing? And I went on a little searchy poo and I found the Paul Bunyan video. Um, and it's from 1958 made by Disney and they did a whole series of mm-hmm. called Disney's American legends that were all like different folklore. So they did Paul Bunyan and they did, mm-hmm. uh, John Henry. And th- it was yeah. like over like 30 years they did them. Like they started in like, um, 
like the 50s and went up to the 90s, I think. Uh, But they released all of them on DVD in 2002, which is why I would have seen it in primary school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, so so that's what the video is. But I did get something (sighs) wrong, which is that they didn't... Paul Bunyan and his uh, ox wrestling didn't create the Rockies, which is what I said. They actually created the Grand Tetons. Uh, which is a different mountain range. Um, this is the only thing I have ever gotten wrong in my life, so I ah, would like to okay. own up to that yeah. mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then I did get into some like just sort of fun, some fun facts about the Paul Bunyan thing, and he was voiced by a guy mm-hmm. called Thurl Ravenscroft. Um, <gasps> that's a name. <laughs> oh, but also you've heard this guy's voice before, because not only did oh, he have, have bit I? parts in pretty much every Disney movie from like 1940 until the late 90s, um, mm-hmm. so he he would be like red card number three in like Alice in Wonderland or like whatever. But also right. he did um, the Tony the Tiger. Um, they're great. <gasps> uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's also That's... the guy that sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, a living so legend. This, and, yes, and he's also the voice of a singing bust at Disneyland and is also in like loads of the other Disneyland attractions. Wow. So, like, so if famous. you have. Yeah, so if you've had any Disney stuff from the latter half of the 20th century, you've heard Thurl Ravenscroft's voice, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and you've been blessed, because, man, what a name. <laughs> right? Like, you've got to do great things with that name. You absolutely do. Good on you. Is it? Did you say Thurl? Is there an L in there? Thurl. It's, so it's T-H-U-R-L. T- oh, Thurl. Thurl. Oh, Wow. Yes. But I mean that that's a backloaded name like Ravenscroft is the is the is the main event, right? I mean, yeah, but I feel like it's it's given that extra oomph by Thurl. Mm-hmm. You know, like Pete Ravenscroft would be cool, but not as cool. It's true, it's true, right. So so Thurl is like the the downhill slope. And then Ravenscroft is like the ramp yeah. that sends the the skier flying into the air to win the gold medal at the Olympics. Right. Yes. You can do some cool flips on the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, Thurl, Thurl's the on-ramp. Like upside down, sideways. And uh, and Ravenscroft yeah. is the highway. <laughs> this is a perfect metaphor. It is. I think so. Because I came up with it. Yes. So anyway, so that was, that was my update from uh, about the Paul Bunyan stuff. Incredible. That was your first mistake. And now that you've admitted to it, it yes. gets stricken from the record. So you're back down to zero. Well done. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hey, Lois. Anyway, shall we talk about the cryptid we're meant to be talking about? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Let's, Lois. Why don't you tell me yes. what cryptid... Oh, uh, I need to bring it down. Hang on. Sorry. Just give me a second. So, Lois, what cryptid are we talking about today? Paul, Jeremy, I'm glad you asked. Today, we're talking about the pard. The pard? What is the pard, Lois? I don't know if uh, we could class the pard as a cryptid, but it's certainly a legendary creature. A creature of your... Of the past. Creature of my what? Oh, it definitely cut out because I didn't. I said, yo, <laughs> no. <laughs> Why is my brain so bad? That was a good joke. 
Uh, wait, no, I, I didn't hear what you... Wait, what? Do you want to do the joke again? <laughs> no, you did the joke. I just said the creature of your. <laughs> yeah, and then I said a creature of my what? <laughs> and then I didn't get it was a joke until I was two sentences in. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh gosh what are we even uh wow yeah. We're we are so professional anyway um, why, why would you say that that the pod couldn't be considered a cryptid lois so okay so back in the day mm-hmm. i'm talking the medieval day slash earlier than that uh it was believed that mm-hmm. uh our friend the leopard which is definitely a real animal was the product of the interbreeding mm-hmm. between two different kinds mm-hmm. of animals the lion yep and the pard and the the pard is this other beast it's like a it's like a feline with spots like described as kind of being like a cheetah right which is a, a great pun, as we will discuss in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes, had considered that. Um, I yeah. saw arguments in some books uh, that it could be a lynx or uh, a, a panther. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I basically um, seems to me that yeah, yeah, Pliny thought that pods were panthers which are black leopards right i don't know i'm not sure my notes are bad here well oh see oh no this is a thing right that Uh i looked up that so black panthers in asia and africa are leopards but black panthers in the americas are jaguars oh interesting i didn't know that yeah Hmm. which which i would like to circle back to yeah let's do it uh, right now, um, <laughs> because when I was reading this one, th- it was an introduction to um, uh, a tale of quadrupeds, which is an old book. Um, they were the the translators were like mm-hmm. hypothesizing about what animal the pard could actually be. But here's the thing: I don't think you can do that because we do stuff like right. have the same name for two different. <laughs> big cats like in 2018 um yeah. also we have big cats that have like five different names yeah so anyway so i was like why are you trying to to figure out which one the part is it's all of them and none of them simultaneously yeah we we need to get our house in order vis-a-vis large cats in a more general sense <laughs> yeah yeah if you are a large big cat professional please contact us to set up a conference to settle this once and for all. Uh, when you say a large big cat professional, that could mean three things. Uh, are we talking like a, a yes. well-respected <laughs> and, and giant in their fields, metaphorically big cat expert? Well, I started saying... Or do we mean like... I started saying large cats. Okay. But then I realized that like the actual official term right. is big okay. cats. So then I just sort of took a left hand in the middle of that sentence. Right. So so I wasn't sure if maybe you were also talking about just big cat experts who are very large, say like a very tall big cat expert. Uh, or yes. if you just meant... Do you yourself right, resemble exactly. a lion? Or option three. You know. Option three is you're just an expert in large big cats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so only only the biggest of the big cats. Only the biggest big cats, yeah. Yeah. The large big cats, if you will, to use the... Are, do you just know everything about tigers? Get in touch. Yeah, but only the big tigers. <laughs> yeah, none, no baby tigers, none of that. We, we want adult tiger knowledge yes, only. Yes, large adult tigers, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, and then I think that this podcast is the we are the correct people to organize all of the big cat experts in the world to finally get this naming thing down. Yep, we're we're gonna oversee this effort. Please just uh, tweet yes. us at CryptidZone to to get onto our Google spreadsheet of experts. <laughs> yep, um, and then there won't be a problem anymore. Seems to me that the the whole deal with the pod is just people haven't figured out their big cats yet. They were like, what if this was a big cat? And then later on, they were just like, oh, no, turns out we were wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, sort of. But like, the other thing that I super love about the pod is like, when they're talking about how the leopard is born, is that they always talk about how it's born out of wedlock. Between a pard yeah. and a lioness, there's some weird, weird <laughs> shit going on there, right? Some, some, some cultural anxieties <laughs> at play, shall we say? Um, yeah, and like, first of all, I want to know why I've never been invited to a big cat wedding. Yeah, I know because I bet they're dope as hell. They probably are. You know, I've seen the Lion King. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I mean, we know what a birth looks like. So a party only infer the party would only be bigger for a wedding, I would guess. Yeah, I think you're right. Man, that would be cool. So yeah, if you are a big cat who's listening, yeah. hit us up in the invites. Open bar. Oh yes. There's all sorts of stuff where like the leopard is described as sterile degenerate spawn. Because it's another thing Yeah, what the fuck's up with that? Chill out. The pard and the leopard both have this like massive connotation of negativity mm -hmm. yeah so one of the earliest references to the part i found was uh pliny the elder's natural history yeah. which is obviously back in those old roman times the the quote that i have found was that he said the lasciv the, the lascivious pard seeks out seductive female lionesses on the banks of africa's rivers you know for some adultery yeah out of out of lion wedlock cash later the male lion will recognize the peculiar odor of the pod and avenge himself with the greatest fury, which I assume means he's just like, oh, you cheated on me. I'm going to murder you, which no. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't, that's no. There was a thing as well where it said like afterwards, the lioness would never have children again. And yeah. they seem to not have figured out at this point how lions had babies because I found some sources where it was just talking about lions having babies and said that, uh, well, they could only have one part because they would essentially like C-section themselves to get the part, the baby part out. Oh. Ah, I should have warned Jesus you that was Christ. coming. Um, <laughs> um, but then <laughs> if they were just having normal lion babies, that they could only have cubs five times and the first time they would have five cubs, and then the second time they would have four, and then three, and then two, and then one, and then they couldn't that have any more babies made after up. that. 
I mean, I mean, it is. Made I mean, up. this is from like the 13th century. Right, but even then, they were just like <laughs> they were doing their best. Well, like, even back then, if someone was like, "Yes, the the birthing patterns of a lion follow these strict geometric patterns," I'd be like, "Fuck off." <laughs> Are you sure, though? Like, they couldn't really explain rain. They didn't know how like cannonballs fired anything. You know, they were still working out those trajectories. Yeah. They just didn't know stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I mean... It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bad a bad time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but then uh, there are mentions of pards in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. They certainly are. Yeah. So uh, there's four different plays that mention the pard. Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. As You Like It, Midsummer's Night Dream, uh, Twilight and Cressida, and The Tempest. Yep. But what gets- shows up in in that. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was going to say it's in, in in the really famous monologue from As You Like It. Parts are mentioned. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> We're just on the same wavelength. All the world's a stage. Yeah. Yeah. The this like the seven stages of man monologue. That one. Mm-hmm. If, if there are any uh, Shakespeare, um, you know, aficionados out there. Yeah. Then a soldier yeah. full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard. Yes. Because I guess um, pards have beards in the sense that pards have hair all over them because they're animals. But also, so I got really into, while researching for this month, reading old stuff talking about like the symbolism of the pard. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that it's not just, it's bearded like a pard. I think that it's like like wild and right. um, like raunchy and and sinful. Yep. Because that was that was a thing that by the 13th century, both the pard and the leopard had come to represent yeah. being full of sin. Oh, sorry, fourth century. Uh, Saint Ambrose wrote a lot and associated the leopard spots <gasps> with the impulses of the soul. Um, but you can mm-hmm. see this in in the Bible. So Jeremiah chapter uh, book 13, or, oh, chapter 13, verse 23, has the the line about can a leopard change its spots? And so that, you know, saying that we say all the time isn't just can they physically change the spots. The spots are representative of, like, the darkness of the soul and sin. So I think, I don't know. So it just it was just one of those things where if you read, if you go online and you look up, like, the As You Like It stuff and the little translation, there'll be little footnotes that's like, oh, pard, this just means leopard. And I feel like we're, we're being cheated of a lot of, like, the context. Yeah. It's not just leopard. It's like awful sin-filled beast that can never change can never change yeah there's uh this bestiary from the 13th century which is part of the harley collection large collection donated to the british library by a person called robert harley i don't know what the cool. whole deal is there rich person owning books a lot yep. of a lot of other cultures texts now owned by the U- by britain because colonialism because colonialism um <laughs> But uh, but yeah, in in this best area, definitely there's it mentions kind of this demonic quality to the pard, where it says the mystic pard signifies either the devil, full of a diversity of vices, same, or the sinner, spotted mm-hmm. with crimes and a variety of wrongdoings, also same. Um, and then it gets pretty racist, um, <laughs> which you know, 13th century. I mean, also yeah. 21st century, but but now, yeah. Anyway, yeah. pard bad, I guess. 
but like pops up loads of play. I don't know. It was just one of those things where when I was reading about the Shakespeare stuff and then the stuff in the Bible, where I was like, oh, this belief that people had about cats actually still has bearing now. We just have no idea about it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also descriptions of it. Uh, the part being really swift and killing with a single leap. And there's some descriptions. How do you kill with it. a leap? Um, everyone sees it and it's just like, that was the coolest leap I've ever seen. And then they just die because they know that there's nothing that's ever going to top that experience of watching that leap. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> uh, um, now, one of the sources that kept turning up a lot talking about the part was the medieval bestiary written by um, Isidore of Seville. And uh, I, I read through the translation of it, but I wanted to talk about this guy for a bit because he was he he was a cool I don't know he was an interesting guy I guess. Okay. But one of the things he did was he would just like copy bits of other books. Okay. And was like because he yeah. <laughs> um, so he wrote this thing called the etymologies. It's twenty vo- uh, volumes, and he wanted to do like an encyclopedia of pretty much everything. Um, okay. And there's this quote about it where it's that he believed that the names of things gave some insight into the properties of those things. Um, and he believed that the original names were assigned in the first language, which he believed to be Hebrew. Okay. I would like to, to just start a brief new segment called Lois argues with people who have been dead for thousands of years and cannot argue back and also probably makes very gross assumptions about biblical okay, history. Yeah, this sounds like a great segment and I'm into it. Go, go, hit me. <laughs> uh, um, cool. So, so I totally can see where our guy Isadora is coming from in believing that the Hebrew is the first language. Because his, his whole thing is that um, Adam named all the living creatures and he assigned them each a name. It says, uh, assign them each a name with their, in accordance with its purpose. And so then... Then other nations renamed the animals in their own languages. But Adam, uh, it says Adam did not give those names in the language of the Greeks or mm-hmm. Romans or any barbarian people. So essentially he's saying that like the true name is the Hebrew one because okay. Ab- uh, Adam gave it to them. Anyway, I want to know what is the evidence, this is going to get me in a lot of trouble, that... Um, that Adam spoke Hebrew because I don't know how how well you know your book Genesis, but uh, mm-hmm. there's a bit the Tower of Babel, right? Where um, essentially all of the people they speak one language, they become too powerful, they build a giant tower, and then God gives them all different languages so that they can't speak to each other, and they like spread across the globe. And I don't see why I need to read like. It wasn't like, oh, and everyone spoke new languages except for the people who spoke Hebrew who just kept speaking Hebrew. It's like, no, everybody spoke new languages. What language did they speak before that, though? Is there like a lost language? I don't know. I don't... <sighs> maybe. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I got too distracted reading about the tale of quadrupeds to get into it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. So if somebody who knows biblical history better than me, who only knows very little, yep. um, I would legitimately like to know because I've been sitting on this question like for a while now yeah what language did they speak was it hebrew yeah i mean is that this sounds like a dan brown novel now. <laughs> um yes the, the language of, <laughs> of the the first people yeah you speak it and and to do magic i don't know god yeah but My also it was a bit YA like book. sorry go ahead 
for for our guy Isadora, where he's like taking from the Bible, I guess that mm-hmm. that the original language would be Hebrew. He should know the Bible well enough to know about the Tower of Babel. Yeah, you know, unless he knows something I don't, which is likely. Mm-hmm. I know lots of things he doesn't, like that the Pard doesn't exist. Yep. So yeah, I think I think <laughs> you're right. They can't argue back. Yeah, you have the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think you win by default, really. I love winning arguments. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the, the best way to, to win an argument is just for the other person to die. <laughs> like even before the argument starts, like it's not even like you started arguing and then they right. die. It's just they're already dead. Yeah. And then garan- you pick the argument. Right. Guaranteed 100% <laughs> success rate. And as, as we established earlier, I've never been wrong before. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the Cryptid Zone's 2018 motto, pick fights with dead people. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's our tagline. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be try to pick more fights with dead people as mm-hmm. we continue, I think, because I'm having a good time. Words to live by. Yep. Did you, uh, this, is, this is kind of apropos of nothing, but uh, did you see the picture of the pod? Which one? There, there are a couple. There's like three or four that come up. Have you been on the Crypto Zone Twitter recently? Yes. <laughs> Have you seen the picture? Yes. <laughs> this is the best picture I've ever seen. <laughs> um, describe it for the people. Paint them a word picture. Well, I'm pretty sure it's the pod in the bottom right, right? That's that's what the pod is meant to be. Yeah, it's a female pod. Uh, yeah. So there's there's three figures in this yes there's three uh, animals there's yeah on the on the left there is uh what i'm pretty sure is a lion yeah and then on the right there is what looks like the pod sat down with with little horns it looks like and then there is a male lion mounting the pod the pod is just like neutral expression looking straight ahead like okay fine and then the the male lion who is like again let me reiterate just like on top of this pod presumably implicitly like you you know it's a pg picture but there's implications right yeah um but the lion is looking back over its shoulder at the other lion as if to be like oh you are home from work ellie and uh (laughs) i was not expecting you to be here like uh hello uh, and then the other line is just looking on in absolute horror. And the face on this second line is just, I live for it. it please it's, go. What I we will, know we'll is tweet like, this. Yeah, yeah we'll tweet it again. But I, what I want to know is, you know how artists use like reference pictures for when they're doing expressions? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think whatever monk drew this was like, Brother Rudolph, can you come over and just like look really disgusted for like 10 <laughs> minutes while I draw this part? <laughs> I think quite possibly. Yeah. This is way too realistic an expression not to have been drawn from life. Yeah. Because I I do, I mean, I don't know what the mirror technology would have been like at the time, but I don't think he would have just had a mirror. So it's definitely somebody's posed for this. Yeah. God, this is just art. This is high art. (laughs) It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes everything ever, worth it, you know? Yeah, if you ever want a good time, just Google image pards, man. Yeah, it's it's a trip. It's good as hell. Oh, 
Um, what else do you have to talk about for the pod, Lois? You said you had some rabbit holes. Oh my gosh. Okay, so one of the sources that got quoted a whole bunch was for a thing called An Entertaining Tale of Quadrupeds, mm-hmm. which talks about the pard. And online, there was a whole introduction. I don't know if you read this. No, I don't think I did. Because we had a brief Twitter exchange about Google Books yeah, reading. I think I was reading something else, actually. Mm, what were you reading? Because I read a couple things. Uh, I was reading that 13th century bestiary which was on uh, a translation of it up on, on Google Books. Was it the one from the Bodleian Library? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I did read that. Anyway, but this is something completely different from that. Okay. So this is an entertaining uh, tale of quadrupeds. Uh, it's translated by Nick Nicholas and George uh, Bagalow. Sounds good. Sh- sure. Sure, that's his name. Also, I just want to take a note, and like, no offense to Nick Nicholas, but... Nick is a nickname for Nicholas, which means that this guy's name is Nicholas Nicholas, and um, I couldn't really move forward and not point that out. Yeah. It's a name. (laughs) Yeah. So they talk for a lot of the introduction about, like, early Byzantine literature. So if you're into that, I would recommend this Google book. Nice. But it talks about, like, things that people had figured out about animals by this point and things that they hadn't. Okay. So, like... They'd figured out that elephants used their trunks like hands, cool. but they weren't sure if elephants were carnivorous. Okay. And uh, thought that there were some sources that implied that they ate humans. Oh, jeez. However, <laughs> however, then later on they point out that like elephants had been used in battle before, but if you were in battle against an elephant or somebody riding an elephant, you couldn't see mm-hmm. that there was someone sitting on the elephant. So the people writing about being in battle against elephants just thought that these elephants were on the side of the people they were fighting. And I just want to take a minute and just, like, picture how terrifying that is. Yeah, jeez. Like, not only is an elephant scary enough, but if you think that that's, like, it's doing it of its own accord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no wonder they thought elephants were carniv- carnivorous. Yeah, battle elephants. Yeah. That's some that's some Warhammer shit right now. <laughs> yeah. Also, they thought that deer um, ate snakes by sucking them out of the ground. What? <laughs> Just like slurp? Like spaghetti? <laughs> yeah. But, but we're talking about deers yeah, deer. here. Yeah, deer. Yeah, yeah. Just like slurping up a snake. Yeah. yeah. That, but, mm. Yeah, but then, okay. Are we talking like... Like... <laughs> Jeremy's face is just like confusion. The picture of confusion. <laughs> he just doesn't know just staring off into the middle distance trying to conceptualize what I've just told him <sighs> oh, yeah and then it was believed that um, if you burned deer horns that would keep snakes away from your camp because they didn't want to be near deer because deer were going to slurp them out of yeah the understandable <laughs> But see, what I'm wondering if if maybe the burning deer horns keeping 
snakes away like is true i mean i don't know and so then they sort of like worked out the snake slurping like backwards engineered that story maybe yeah yeah um and then also it says that um okay so it says so they say that even after her wedding this is a a lady Mm -hmm. deer the deer will not fall pregnant unless she first finds and eats a snake and that's the reason deer hunt snakes so apparently all animals get married cool um, not mm-hmm. just lions, um, and that lady deers have to slurp up snakes before uh, they. Yeah, can have all animals babies. except snakes who don't like marriage because usually it involves them getting slurped up by a deer, <laughs> like like a like, <laughs> which is like like un spaghetti. <laughs> I mean, so like understandable. Like one single solitary uh, spaghetti. <laughs> yep. But see, okay. <sighs> Can I take this to a weird place? <laughs> oh, are you? <laughs> well, can I take it to a weirder place? Yeah, all right. Okay. At what point in the snake slurping does the snake die? Uh, well, like <laughs> after, because like yeah. like the, the the act of slurping, there's no. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Are you? Are you? The thing is, the the snake presumably is bigger than the deer mouth, which means it's not like a like with a spaghetti. You you slurp it into the mouth, then you chew and swallow, right? But yeah, if the spaghetti was larger than your mouth, you wouldn't be able to do that. You would have to slurp yeah. it like immediately, like down into the stomach, right? Yeah, yeah. So the snake just gets slurped all the way down, and then is in the stomach. And then there's like a Venus yeah. flytrap situation where it's just getting digested alive. Yeah. So yeah. I, because what this made me think of is I have this book, which is a his, historical novel based on the award-winning board game mm-hmm. Settlers of Catan. And one of the things that's in it is this form of sort of torturous killing somebody where they would catch a snake and then put it in like a reed and then just put the oh. snake down somebody's throat and then the snake would kill them from inside gross so how did the deer not do this i don't know uh this yeah anyway that was the i promise not to take it to any weirder places oh yeah no i think my brain is broken now (laughs) do you want some fun fables about donkeys yes please please yes please i need a palate (laughs) cleanser after the whole snake spaghetti incident (laughs) okay so this introduction was talking about how the tale of quadrupeds doesn't follow the traditional narrative of stories about animals from the time, okay. except for the stories about donkeys. Oh, okay. And it thinks it, they're postulating that the the tales about donkeys in in this are, come from two different sources. So there's two stories. So the first one is that donkeys took their human masters to court over the unfairness of having to carry both like all of their stuff. And the humans. Uh, and the judge agreed it was unfair. That sounds like such a great movie. <laughs> right? It's like B-movie, but with donkeys. Right. B-movie. <laughs> Perfect. Write us, yeah, Hollywood. Sorry. What did the judge say? Continue. So, anyway, the, the judge agreed that it was total bullshit. And so wrote mm-hmm. the, the decision on a piece of paper to give to the donkey that said that the masters could ride the donkeys, but only if the donkeys weren't carrying everything else at the same time. And the donkey was so excited, it went, it went running off. And it says, like, kicking and farting. And, like, and I like, just like that detail. Um, but it t- goes back to the other donkeys and is like, the judge agrees with us and gave me a piece of paper. And the donkeys are like, 
Neato burrito. Where's this piece of paper? And the donkey's like, oh, I accidentally ate it. <laughs> Because I was so excited. Oh, donkey. Yep. So then he's like, hey, so maybe just check out uh, my shit when I poop to see if I poop it out. Um, And that's why donkeys are always smelling each other's shit, is to find this paper from the judge. It's to find legal documents. (laughs) Yes. So that they can unionize. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, uh, <laughs> um, and then honestly there's a version. Than... <laughs> Go on. Um, there's a Come on. version from Aesop's Fables. Aesop's Fables, mm-hmm. where Zeus tells the donkeys that they'll be free from their lives as beasts of burden when they make a river out of urine. Oh, jeez! So when a donkey Zeus. sees another donkey's urine, it urinates on top of it to try to okay form a river but see God, the, why is I zeus love about so weird <laughs> why is he like this he's like you you know what you know what you're gonna he's like yes you can you can have freedom of course if you piss on each other's piss <laughs> and then everyone's like, like you know zeus come on not this time <laughs> i feel like this story's enhanced if you just imagine him like coming home from a bender you know, so it's like he's leaving McDonald's at like 5 a.m. He should be home at this point. And they're like, yeah. hey, Zeus, what's up? Can we be free? And he's like, just look, just look, 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 look. <laughs> and then he like drops his share box on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but like kind of slurring. And it's just like, yeah. Um, but see, what I love about Aesop's Fables is that you can like, we can see sort of where the fable came from. Like, oh, yeah, donkeys do piss on top of each other's piss just that's <laughs> what they do i'm so sorry i brought this I that phrase into this why they got the story of it uh-huh. <laughs> um no but then aesop's fables always end by telling you what the supposed um yeah like, what's the moral here uh moral is so it says, this is, okay. this is like what I wrote down from the translation. It says, the myth means that each person's fate is inescapable. Oh, okay. Is that what it means? It's it's being a bit a bit negative there, you know. But also, I I don't know how that came from the story about Zeus and the donkeys. Right? Maybe maybe it's just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I'm honestly I have absolutely nothing here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's fine. That was just my fun donkey uh, anecdotes. Yeah, they, they're very good. Um, what else good. have I got from this? <laughs> from this introduction uh there's descriptions about how uh the leopard keeps the mother's color spots and vigor and the father's size temper and fearlessness okay let's see what else have we got um the whole oh also in uh so there's a byzantine belief about the pard so we're getting back to the pard everybody listening we were going to circle back it wasn't just going to be weird stories about deer don't worry thank you for sticking with us Mm -hmm. anyway byzantine belief that pards couldn't get fleas and so the skins of pards made the best blankets because then you wouldn't get fleas in bed. Ah, good to know. Yeah, but this isn't in the Greek tradition, so this probably came from Middle Eastern oral history. Interesting. Yep, there, that's that's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. I love fun facts. Yeah, me too. And then this is when they started trying to argue that the parid was a cheetah, and then at this point, 
the Google books just cut out. And uh, so we'll never know how it ends. No. Tragic. So that's all the information I can bring to you from it. yeah, if anyone has a copy of the book mm-hmm. and wants to send it to me, that'd be great. Any other any other fun fun pod facts? Well, I did find one mention that said that so all of these things talked about the the part a leopard was a part as a father and the lioness as a mother. Mm-hmm. And one of my first questions was, is it still a part of the other way around? So I read. St- some some things that said that it could be either way. It's just, you know, as long as the it's always hetero. Yes. Well, that was going to say, right. Pliny the Elder says yes. Yeah, because, well, like a mule is only a mule one way around yeah. with a horse and a donkey. But I can't remember which way around it is. It's something else. Who knows? People who breed mules, probably. Yeah. George Washington was really into mule breeding. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, Plenty of the Elder is like it is a leopard either way. Um, mm-hmm. But they are pretty consistent on the fact that leopards can't have babies. Do you have anything else to bring us about the pard? I don't. I don't have anything else. I, so I have one more thing that I'm going to bring up. I think in the context of this next thing, um, which is yes, w- you put out the call for Twitter questions about the pod and we got one back from friend of the show and also friend in general ben lj asks friend of the world friend of the world but also specifically of us (laughs) uh hey ben what's up yes how's it going pal uh ben asks hello if the pod was a pokemon what would its signature move be and uh i have something to aid us in the answer to this which is when i searched for pod one of the things that came up is uh a dungeons and dragons creature list which includes the pod Ooh. as a D&D enemy. <gasps> this brightly colored feline blur resembles a cheetah with longer fur and links like ears and seems to scorch the air as it moves. Uh, you get 800 experience for defeating a pod. Ooh. It's a medium magical yeah. beast. Uh, it has initiative plus seven. Mm-hmm. There you go. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, in terms of special attacks, the, uh, the pod has this... A uh, rad move called the phasing attack, which is the pod can shift itself partially out of phase, damaging any creature it moves through. <gasps> yeah, wild. What? I know. So yeah, I think that's such a good move. It's a pretty good move. It can phase through you. Who knew? It's like a ghost. Oh, and uh, ghost cat. According to this, it says uh, pods are aliens in D and didn't realize aliens existed in D and D, but there you go. No, I don't like that as well. No. Though many have developed a fondness for the flesh of gnomes and quicklings. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, well, this doesn't seem right. Smarter than common beasts, pods are semi-intelligent, mate for life, and have a complex social structure. Like, I don't think so, pal. Yeah, whoever made this saw a picture and was like, that's cool, and then stopped reading. No. Like, like pods are hoes. Yes, that's their yeah. whole thing. Their hoes. Yeah, it's like, what if, what if a cheetah was a hoe? <laughs> Yeah. What if a cheetah was a hoe? <laughs> there the we go. Story we solved of the it. Pard. Thanks for the question, Ben. <laughs> um, so its its power would be hoeing. Yeah. <laughs> See, my original answer was going to be something involving its ridiculous leaping that kills people, but I like the hoeing answer better. Yeah. Same. Cool. So its Pokemon power is hoeing. Yep. There we go. Yep. 
answered that question. Yep, job done. If you would like to, uh, if you would like to ask us any questions or or kind of keep in the loop on when episodes come out and when we're asking questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at Cryptid Zone. You can also follow Lois yes, specifically also on Twitter. at Facebook. Oh, on Facebook too. Facebook.com slash Cryptid Zone, right? Well, we have to decide whether or not we want to date it before we can well, do it. Well, I was going to close with that after we do all of the, I'm kind of switched things up. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. It's like a, like a, like a. It's episode 10. We can do what we right. want. We're, we're, we're playing with the form a little bit more. We can do all of the goodbyes and then would you date is like a full stop at the end of the podcast sentence, right? Perfect. Where can people follow, follow you on, on the, on the internets, Lois? Well, on the Twitter, you can find me at Suppets Lois, which is S-U-P-I-T-S-L-O-I-S to get my very professional Star Trek thoughts. Yes. And if and you want to read my shit posts, you can find me at Jeremy underscore Hughes, where Hughes is spelled H-E-W-E-S. So, you know, follow me if you want to. It's a good time there. You should definitely follow Jeremy. Uh, I advise against it, but, you know, Lois is smarter than me, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Vindication. So, to close out this episode, Lois. Yeah. Would you date the pard? I would not date the pard. Yeah, same. Just too much of a hoe. I'm looking for something a little yeah. bit more stable. Exactly. A little uh-huh. bit more committed. And um, I feel like the pardon and I would just resent each other. I agree. Because it wants to be out there living its whole life. Right. And I respect that. Um, you know? You, like, you do you, pards. Yeah. You know, exactly. It's just that, you know, part of a relationship is, is being open about what you want from it. And uh, Yeah. It's just not where I'm at with my life right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you know, if you want to hang out, let me know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Agreed. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, we will see you next month. Next month for... Hold on. Do you want to know what next month is? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, we should have done this first. Yeah, come on. Give it... Okay. Give, tell the people what they need to know. And also it's, me. Okay, I am so sorry for this pronunciation. Uh, Sukinoko. Sukinoko? Ooh. It's Japanese. And you will find out what that is. <laughs> and we promise to be able to pronounce it by next month. Yeah, let's practice that. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank Have a you wonderful so much. day. Yeah, we love you. Have a great month. We do. Peace out. <laughs> Toodles. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, there we go. Job done. We did it. Proud of us. <laughs> <laughs>